Bodies in the Bayous, a podcast by Morgan Kelly and Gretchen Scanlon, presents Season 4, Iola, Eroding Justice. Episode 3, Who Was Sally Hutton? Throughout today's episode, you will hear from Carolyn Henry. Sally Hutton's sister. Sally Hutton was born on March 4, 1955. Her parents were Elise and Ray Hutton. When she was born, she joined sisters Brenda and Carolyn. Brenda and Carolyn are Elise's two children from a prior relationship before marrying Ray Hutton. Ray was the only father that Carolyn and Brenda knew, and Ray treated them as his own. They grew up in the small town of Gas until 1965 when they moved to the quaint town of Iola. They moved to 309 South Kentucky. Sally's father had worked as a brickyard worker, but due to his illness, the family had to scrape by on his small pension when he retired. The Hutton family had a large amount of extended family living in Iola and Gas for many generations. Growing up for Sally, it meant that she was surrounded by family. She would always have a family member that her and her siblings would go to if needed. Her extended family included grandparents that lived nearby, as well as aunts, uncles, and cousins. Her cousins were her best friends, and she would often spend the night at their houses. At the time of Sally Hutton's disappearance, she was 14 years old and in the ninth grade at the junior high school. Overall, she was a typical teenage girl. Sally's two older sisters, Brenda and Carolyn, described her as a shy teenager who liked to pick up trinkets like bottle caps and rocks that she found interesting. She loved music and could cry at the drop of a hat. Her cousins described her as, as a reserved girl who liked makeup and clothes, yet she did not go out often. Sally loved to sit and have her hair combed by her mother and sisters. Sally's biggest dream was that of becoming a truck driver in order to see the world. She was one of those kids that was clumsy, that she'd walk across the floor and trip over a string. She, she was really quiet, usually, kind of. She always held back from the other kids for some reason. Thursday, October the 2nd, 1969, was a very warm Kansas day. Sally decided to attend the junior high school football game that evening at Riverside Park. The Iola Ponies were playing against Fort Scott Tigers. It was reported that she had left the house around 5 p.m. and was supposed to, was supposed to meet with her cousin Jeannie, and they would walk to the game together. Her cousin Jeannie was her Aunt Pat Beaver's daughter who lived on South Walnut. Apparently, when Sally never met up with Jeannie, her cousin decided to return home. Her aunt, Pat, and Jeannie, it seemed, did not think anything of the miscommunication. Everything, including the time that Sally left the house, is in question. Over the years, the story of her tragedy has changed, and many of her family, friends, witnesses, and townsmen who could have helped have passed away. Sally's cousin, Jeannie, died when she was only 41 years old in 1996. Sally's aunt, Pat Beaver, passed away in the late 2000s. Sally's grandfather, Ernest King, Elisa's father, died just 20 days after Sally. 
Sally's mother and father would live another 29 and 34 years each without the answers of who took their innocent 14-year-old's life. There was a description of the vehicle that Sally had left in, but officers said that it was vague. What we were able to find out was that it was a fancy car to some, and to others it looked like a boat. Years later, the Reader sisters, Donna and Pearl, would come forward in a conversation with Carolyn and say that they offered Sally a ride, but a car full of boys had talked her into leaving with them. They said that the car was possibly a Chevy Malibu, metal flake blue in color, and possibly a convertible. The driver looked like a tall, slender, redhead male to the sisters that they can remember. The Iola Junior High School principal, Elmer Frazzle, stated to reporters at the time that he spoke to Sally around halftime. It stuck out to him as he said that she seldom took part in school activities, but was not the kind of student who could be called a troublemaker. He stated that she was by herself at the time that he saw her. At first, Sally's parents thought she had simply stayed the night at her aunt's house, as that would have been common. It was not until she didn't show up for class on Friday, October the 3rd, and the school had contacted the family that they knew something must be wrong. Ray and Elise began to call and go by relatives, first going to her sister Carolyn's home, who was getting ready for work, and then contacting friends and cousins. They would soon team up and start looking for her. She was reporting missing, she was reported missing a few hours after her body had already been found. I didn't know that she was missing until the next day. And my grandfather and my mom and dad showed up and asked me if she's in my house. And I guess they had been looking for her all, all day at that point. They struck, you know, they thought she'd stayed all night at Jeannie's, which was my Aunt Pat's house. I had to go to work. I don't think I'd been at work. I worked the 3 to 11 shift at a nursing home. I didn't know that she was gone. Until they showed up and asked me if she'd been, if I knew where she might be. I went to work worried to death. I hadn't been to work very long when uh, I received a phone call that a police officer would be there to pick me up. And I said, I'll just bring my car in town. And I, I drove to my grandmother's where a police officer took my aunt and I to the morgue. When police came to the Hutton home to inform them that they had found a body, Elise Hutton was so distraught that she had to be hospitalized. Ray went with his wife to the hospital. It was left to Sally's sister Carolyn and her aunt Pat Bieber to identify Sally's body. What would be her cause of death? What happened to Sally in the last moments of her fragile life? taken to the hospital and well dad was too they, I had one in the hospital from shock and one in the hospital from a heart attack I walked into mom's room the, the next day to check on her and I looked around and the woman in the room and there's a white headed lady lay in the bed and I asked the nurses what 
where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Hatton? And she says, you just come out of her room, honey. My mother's hair had turned white overnight. Of course, to me, I thought it was a beautiful, you know, years later. I mean, she always wanted to dye black, and I wouldn't let her dye it. <laughs> I thought it was so pretty. That evening, Sally's body was sent to Wichita, where an autopsy was performed. Sally had been beaten in the head with what was probably part of a carjack, as the base of the jack was found on the road near where her body was. Dr. George Dattar said that she had been beaten so many times in the face that you could not tell how many blows she had sustained. Her face was crushed. Additionally, she had a broken leg and other injuries consistent with being hit by a car. The medical examiner considered it a possibility that she had been run over, even though there were no tread marks on her body. Due to the amount of blood loss her injuries would have caused, the lack of blood found at the scene where her body was found, police at the time believed she was killed somewhere else and brought to that location. Police, the autopsy determined that she had not been sexually assaulted. Years later, Sally's sister would receive a call from a man who had spoken to a woman working at Wesco. The two were discussing a recent letter to the editor that her sister had written. The woman said that when she was a young girl, she lived out near Country Club Road, and that evening she had heard a woman screaming and what sounded like somebody had gotten hit. And then... She later heard the very distinctive sound of a tailpipe running and somebody leaving. She did tell her parents, but her parents didn't want her to come forward, and so she stayed silent all those years. But she said the worst thing was that she still could hear that tailpipe. She just couldn't get it out of her head, and the car then speeding away. Over the last 53 years, the family has doggedly pursued answers in who killed Sally Hutton, writing letters to the paper every year on the anniversary of her death, seeking tips to what happened to her, continuing to keep her name out there in the public by talking about her and her case, never stopping, never forgetting what happened to her.
The response from the community has been overwhelmingly supportive, and there have been helpful information that has come forward over the years. But there has also been the sinister side, a brick through the window of one sister's with a note saying, you're next. Sally's name and reputation being smeared, but still the family continues to seek justice for Sally. Sally, that she loved that dog. Dad went out to feed it one day about, about six months after Sally was gone. And every morning he'd get up, make that dog pan a gravy and have a, a little bit of he'd add, make him a little gravy and put a handful of kibble in it. He went out to feed it and it was hot. Somebody had hung it. And it's, it didn't hang itself. Uh, it had a hangman snot around its neck and the dog had been hung in his, in his dad had kept him in a fenced-in area. So now that leads us into the discussion part of the episode. The first thing that we wanted to discuss today was, did Sally go to the football game that night? And from our investigation and talking to different people, um, reading through the newspaper articles, and looking at the information that Carolyn and Brenda have gathered over the years, I believe that Sally went to the football game that night what's your thought so for me i'm kind of torn on this i always have been i do believe that the intention was to go to the game i i mean did she make it past the parking lot i don't know you know what i mean did she actually get in attend the game did the teacher see her at halftime inside the game or was it in the parking lot? I, that part, I don't know. Um, I mean, you do have the whole discussion with the reader sisters or the Ritter sisters. Uh, yeah. About how they were waiting with her in the parking lot. So they never said that they saw her in the game, you know? So I guess for me, I, I believe she was at the school. I just don't know if she truly attended the game. Right. And we do have another cousin who did come forward who doesn't want her name mentioned, but she also said that she was there at the game that night and did not see um, Sally and that they were uh, expecting to see her. Um, and so obviously in this whole communication of going to the game, um, several of these cousins were planning on meeting up there. but with the with the assistant with the principals um coming out and saying that he did see her there outside of the game you know he has no reason to say he didn't and it was an unusual event for him mm -hmm. that she was there so to me that i believe that she was there 
um, how she didn't meet up with her cousin Jeannie, why she didn't meet up with her cousin Jeannie. I don't, I don't know the answers to those, those questions. Um, I think with the Ritter Reader sisters coming forward, it seems very clear that she had an intention to meet somebody there that night. I think so too, only because they, I mean, the family definitely says it was out of character for her to go to the football game right? right so there had to be a reason for her to be there whether it was to uh meet friends or to meet a boy or whatever the case may be there had to be a reason for her to to go right right it wouldn't be just something that they did every thursday night right and you know the other fact that um they're offering her a ride home and she's saying that she has another ride. Um, that to me also clearly puts her there. I mean, it's more than one person putting her at the game. Mm -hmm. It's several people putting her at the game. Um, and for her to say that she had a ride home to the sisters implies that she was planning on meeting somebody there. Somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and clearly not Jeannie. Because Jeannie didn't have a ride. So if she was meeting Jeannie, it would seem like she would be like, oh, I'm meeting Jeannie. You know, can we both get a ride? Right. Well, because, well, she would obviously been there without Jeannie because Jeannie didn't go. Right. So she wasn't waiting around for her. Yeah. I mean, everything about that evening is is strange. Mm -hmm. It's strange it's out of character for Sally. It's strange you know, for her not to meet up with a cousin that she has made that plan with. Everything is strange. So I see why people, you know, question whether or not she actually ever made it to the game. But I I think that she probably did make it to the game. But I think you're right. Maybe she didn't make it to actually out of the parking lot of the mm -hmm. game. Maybe she had the intention of meeting somebody at that location. Right. So the car discrepancy, at first, I really felt like, you know, these. this is almost the description of two separate cars. You have the Reader Sisters who are like a Chevy Malibu, um, you know, you have another person who's come forward to say that it was a fancy car. Um, one of the investigators says fancy car, which to me implies like a sports type car. And then you have other people who are saying that it's a boat. Um, and... And yet the readers are also saying that it's an older model Chevy Malibu. Um, when you look those up and you start to look at what that looks like, it does kind of mm -hmm. look like a boat type car, especially compared to what we're looking at today now. But it's a larger muscle type car. But also can be considered a fancy car. I definitely think. I mean, I believe Malibus have always been sort of a fancy car you know so um but when we definitely looked up those models 2065 and you know 69 i mean it definitely is it's a larger vehicle i mean it's something i would describe as a boat right type car you know so i mean with them having the description of that vehicle so clearly to them it i mean it seems like that happened and then it's interesting sometimes how these facts kind of are independent. You have 
the reader sisters with the Chevy Malibu type of description, the boat type of description, those are all independent descriptions. But when you start to put them together, they actually do kind of meld into the same thing. And then you take the, the woman from Wesco who later also contacted, um, Carolyn and her sister Brenda to eventually tell her story about how she had heard this woman screaming mama mama and then a loud sound almost like something getting hit but then that sound of that tailpipe that sound of that muffler I guess um and how that just stuck with her over the years and she just couldn't get rid of that so when we started looking at possibly this Chevy Malibu thing, we looked up about the tailpipes and the sounds that they made. And it makes a very distinctive sound. It does. Even in Idol. Yeah. You know, so even when she does, quote, say a thud. Right. Like something had been hit. You know, um, even if the car was in Idol after hitting something that that muffler is still making a noise Mm -hmm. when you put acceleration on the gas pedal it's even louder right which i would think you know after hearing that now that would stick with you so you put all of those facts together and it seems like these independent facts are telling the same story Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. um, where before, when we first started looking at this case, we were getting these independence facts from different places and people were telling us it's very confusing or it's very vague because you have all these different descriptions of the car. But when you start to look at them, it's almost like you do have the same description of this car. Right. And one more thing just to kind of add on to that, when we were listening to the muffler sounds, the road where Sally body was found is quiet even in the middle of the day so at night i can only imagine it's even quieter right because you you have no traffic at all anywhere near there and i believe that you would be able to hear screams Mm -hmm. and tailpipes and thuds echoing through those fields like that yeah the highway is is over a mile from where where her body is so any traffic noise that you're hearing would be on that road. I think you'd hear the crunching of those tires too, you know, and I do believe that she could have heard a thought. I do too. So, um, we haven't been able to exactly locate what house this, uh, woman lived in because we do not have the name, her name. So much of the information that we have been able to present to everybody has come from really the tireless work that Carolyn and Brenda did over the years of writing to the newspaper year after year, year, just searching for any answers in their sister's case. And through those letters to the newspaper, that's where these tips had come in over the years. People calling in to Carolyn or calling into Brenda or writing, you know, these letters to them to say, this is what I remember. This is what I've heard. So the family has shared those with us so that we can present those to our listeners in the hopes that somebody can still come forward. They're still asking anybody who knows anything to come forward. And this could be, you know, maybe this person has passed, but the information is very important to start to figure out where these 
different people who were heard these things lived those types of things i think this is incredibly important to still continue to come forward and have these conversations because the other thing that's out there is the description of um the person that they saw in the car that evening being a tall redhead individual the one thing that has always got to me about that is then did he get out of the car mm -hmm. that or maybe like the only other thing that i could come to conclusion is that maybe his head was almost touching right. the ceiling of the car right so that wouldn't make somebody appear large uh -huh. or tall well and then there is that one person who had come forward again you know with a small letter and said that that car was convertible Mm -hmm. And so I guess if the car was a convertible, you know, that is not in the description that we have through the readers, but that is another person who's come forward on one of these tips and um, has said that the car was a convertible, you know, and I thought, well, a large boat convertible car. Well, when you look at the Chevy Malibus, that is a possibility also. Mm -hmm. And so you would be able to see the person who was in the car. And then Sally would have had to known this person i believe i do too and you know we specifically asked carolyn was it in character for her to take rides from strangers and she was adamant that she would not that she was definitely a girl aware of her surroundings and i mean you heard it in the clip so um i just i think she had to know this person as well yeah and with that, you know, again, with the idea that she knew whoever this individual was, you know, it brings you back to full circle that it almost seemed like she had planned this, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, not, not planned what happened to her, but that in an innocent girl way, she was planning to meet up with somebody, mm -hmm. you know, and um, like many kids her age had done things went wrong we wanted people to hear from carolyn we wanted them to hear you know what she has tried to do for so many years which is to continue to advocate for her sister mm -hmm. but she talks about that she believed that sally had a note in her back pocket yeah that was kind of strange too and then at one point she did mention something about a suitcase of clothes too yeah that was another thing too another tip that came in that supposedly a suitcase of mm -hmm. clothes that was found in somebody else's possession you know like she was she was running away but you know that seems to be a different person than this billy kid mm -hmm. um who you know there seems to be a note and then um over the years i guess from what the family understands, he has been ruled out. Um, but those are those important key pieces that unfortunately, you know, over time we're, we're losing, you know, and, and you just hope that, you know, what we've, what we're trying to do with the podcast is to get people to start having those conversations again. So if you're having those conversations, you know, we would encourage you to reach out to us or, Carolyn, she is absolutely still sitting in her house by her phone waiting for people to call and talk to her and let her know what possibly has happened to her sister. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the um, autopsy, you know, report and the um, one thing that comes out there is is the belief that she wasn't killed in that area. 
right um i actually do not think that she was killed somewhere else i think she was hit on the side of the road there and you know then attacked right mm -hmm. you know it's a hard thing to everywhere that we went in iola that was the one thing that people told us was where was or asked us i guess is, is better is you know where would sally have possibly been killed and you know we'll get deeper into maybe more of the investigation into things but the more and more that we've looked at this i think maybe you know in in that autopsy in taking her body from that location you know with the idea that there was a belief that there should have been more blood found at that scene and maybe there was more blood there it just you know hadn't pooled in a way that they could get it this is a um a hard place they would for them to have recovered that type of thing you know because where her body's laying is partly on the grass but partly on this rocky kind of hillside that goes down to the creek and so um you know but with the with her body there it just when we got to walk it it just got more and more of a feeling that that's probably where she was actually mm -hmm. killed you know and then then you have that jack out there and the tissues and the tissues yeah so and you know one of the things that i've kind of wondered about is with the jack is you know could that jack hold answers you know could it finally be more of a link like i'm not a mechanic but certain cars have certain jacks oh sure i mean they're I mean, even now, they're just more specific to your car because you have to have certain tools to even get them off your car. Um, but, I mean, even at best, it could possibly have DNA, fibers, hair, any of that stuff on it, especially if it's in this person's car. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of things, carpet fibers, you know, that could have been tested on there. Sure. But, the yeah, and the ultimate question is whether or not that jack goes to a specific vehicle. Mm -hmm. So I think that's all we have for the discussion today. But, you know, again, we'll kind of put it out there to um, our listeners. If if there's information that you have, even if that information is that a Chevy Malibu and that type of, of time wouldn't wouldn't fit that description or would have had a specific type of jack or anything like that, let us know so that, you know, we can um, let people know out there more information about that. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We want to give a special thanks to the Iola community for all their help and support in making this season possible. Special thanks to Angela Henry, our local host. Bodies in the Bayous is an independent podcast produced and created by Gretchen Scanlon and Morgan Kelly. Research sources include the Iola Register, the Wichita Eagle, and the Parsons Sun. Music provided by Spotify. Technical assistance by Emma Kelly. Studio assistance by Catherine Alvarez. If you have any questions or tip about this case, email us at bodiesinbayous at hotmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Bodies in the Bayous. We'd love to hear from you.
please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Special thanks to the Hutton and Cantrell families for their support. Our ultimate goal is for these families to have some answers. If you have messages of support, we are happy to pass them on to the family if you email us at bodiesandbayous at hotmail.com.